All right, welcome to the 1000 Hours Outside podcast. This is actually kind of surreal to me. I'm sitting across the screen from Jody Maccabee. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Jenny. I've been following you for a long, long time. I mean, years and years. And in fact, I have one of your notebooking manuals that I downloaded. It would have been years ago. And it was about how you notebook. And I'd been following you on Instagram and seen all these beautiful pieces of art that your kids are making and they're writing. And and you had made this manual and I downloaded it. And it was the first, it was my first foray into seeing lovely learning. It's beautiful. Awesome. That I'm so glad that our family can kind of um, introduce you to that. So that that is really special that you shared that. Thank you. Yeah, it was really a neat thing. And it, it does feel like it was quite a while ago. So I've been following your adventures for a long time. And you have a new book coming out called The Whole and Healthy Family, Helping Your Kids Thrive in Mind, Body, and Spirit. Congratulations. Thank you. Congratulations. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. (laughs) It's fantastic. It's so much work. I know. And you did it. You crossed the finish line and it's a beautiful book. So well done. And um, let me just read a little bit of your biography here. You're a photographer and such a good one a photographer, a writer, a blogger. Uh, your blog is great too, because you you go in depth and it includes your photography. So it's real cool. I saw you did a kitchen model recently and um, I was impressed. You came up, I mean, you just have all the steps in there. And so it's a real good blog, a speaker, a social media influencer, homeschooling, mother of five, living in the Black Hills of South Dakota. You have a passion for health, wellness, parenting, and you blog your family's journey and you share tips for a healthy and active lifestyle. You write curriculum and also those guides like that notebooking manual that I had bought from you years back. So you have downloadable resources and you do artistic learning in a homeschooling environment. So this is, there's going to be a lot to talk about, isn't there? Yes, there is. There is. So your book is, it's separated into three chapters. You talk about whole minds, whole bodies, and whole spirits. One of the chapters is completely dedicated to nature. So I I honed in on that one. But what a beautiful book. And you weave your faith in and just talk about raising whole children. So can you tell us about your journey, your journey to the book, your journey as a mother, and then we can dive into some of the different topics. Yeah, I think um, having younger children. So now my I have two teenagers, almost another teenager, and then twin boys that are 10 years old. So um, in the earlier journeys, and I think our kids have a similar spread, Jenny, but I at one point had five under five. <laughs> wow. So well, you have is, those twins. Ours, we don't have the twins. So we had five and eight years. Okay. So very similar though. And, um, I remember one of your podcasts, you talking about a baby strapped on the back and two in a stroller and, you know, they're just around. And so, um, we, I call that time kind of the trenches because you are just living moment by moment and, um, doing the best that you can. And there's not a lot of sleep and it's very physically exhausting. And so, um, at the, in the early years, I felt like, there was a lot of problem solving Hmm. and um, I couldn't just find the answer in one book. You know, a a problem would come up, say it was sleep related with infants. And so I would research a lot of um, a lot on sleep and then I'd be able to kind of solve that problem. And then something would come up developmentally where I was kind of curious is, is it normal to walk before you crawl, you know, and you start researching all of that. And so um, a lot of the early childhood years included so much research. And so I began sharing what I was learning through blogging and writing on my blog. And I really enjoyed that process because you don't really want that time to go to waste. <laughs> so I was <laughs> just cool. openly sharing. Yes. And um, the love for kind of writing kind of fell into my lap there, but I knew it wasn't time to write any sort of parenting book until we had really weathered through those years and saw the fruit of the research and kind of philosophies that we put in place in our home culture. And so here we are several years later and our children are thriving. I'd I'd like to think so. And um, we have a very peaceful home environment 
with five children, that is hard to imagine. But I would say that we do have a very peaceful home environment. And I feel like that is probably a result of kind of meeting the needs of their mental, physical, spiritual well-being. So that's kind of where the premise of the book came from, was just those early years of trying to problem solve and work through things and um, really develop this whole child, whole family environment in our home. Mm. And you talked about that you started to research I remember reading in your book um, because your father had cancer. And so yes. that was one of the things that pushed you to research different ways of healthy living and having children took you down that path as well. You know, it's interesting. I think as a mother, you can grow and learn so much. That's one of the things I didn't expect becoming a parent is that, I mean, you've written a whole book based on the things yes, that you've learned learning. becoming a yeah. mother. Yeah. And yeah. Um, you know, you just become an expert in, like you said, problem solving, and it's just one to the next. Yes. <laughs> you know, you figure Constantly. out one thing. Constantly. <laughs> yes. Now we're dealing with teen problems, you know, that we work through and wrestle through and research through and pray through and all of it. And so, right. yeah, it really is. I think that's what parenting is ultimately is a lot of problem solving mixed with a lot of other wonderful things. But mm-hmm. so, yeah, and I agree with you. Um, I never expected to be a student this late in life, but it is really enjoyable to just continue to learn alongside my children and also on my own and just trying to be the parent that, you know, they need me to be. So, Mm -hmm. and it's a gift that we do get to continue to live and to grow through this, um, you know, medium of raising a family and, And so the book is beautiful. Of course, you know, I want to dive into some of the nature topics. But like I said, you have it split into three sections of whole minds, whole bodies and whole spirits. And the the third chapter of whole minds, which is really neat, actually, to me that you put it in the whole mind section, because it probably could go in any of them, is this chapter on nature. And so one of the things that you talk about is how nature helps with stress. So can we start there? Yes, absolutely. So um, I think it's in the minds chapter. And honestly, I didn't even think about putting it in any of the other sections. um, Because when I think of nature, I think what it does mentally to us. Um, And I think also having four boys, just the reality of how much pressure they'll have is if, if their families end up this way as being the provider of the family and kind of researching and learning how many men um, are addicted to video games or pornography or, you know, these escapes that are not outdoors. A lot of them are within the home and kind of what type of, I don't know, example that sets for the family as well as how is that actually helping them work through the the pressures and stress of providing for the family. I'm not sure it does. So I think in our culture, we use the word decompressing and we use it as an excuse to zone out on video games or scroll through the phone or watch television. Um, And there are far more healthier ways to decompress. And so that's where kind of nature comes in. And so, yeah, the, the mental aspect is that it gives them Um, men and women alike, a place to escape to that um, can only provide healthy benefits. There's there's really not a lot of destruction in nature that Mm -hmm. would cause any issues mentally. It only helps you work through things. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of why it's in the mind section. Yeah, I love that. It's a tool that we can give to our kids. You had so many great quotes in there. You said, I can guarantee that daily time outdoors will improve your mental health and allow you to develop a nice and healthy foundation for creating an active outlet to run to in times of stress and uh, stress or grief. And you gave your own personal examples that nature has helped you during different times that have been very challenging and that you you still do it to this day. I do. And um, I know running for me too was an outlet when my father died. It was, I was 20 years old. I was a college student. I was alone um, away from family. And I just remember I lived down in Southern California. So I got to run on the beach every single day. And I just remember 
the wind, the waves, the salt, all of that just helped me work through this grief, you know, Mm -hmm. and to be able to see my children go to nature when they're stressed out or when they're sad or lonely or bored, it's their first place to reach out to in those situations. So that's beautiful. It fits real well in the mind chapter. It's interesting what you brought up about men and um, finding ways to escape. And that's coming up in a lot of things that I'm reading is that this sort of generation of 20 somethings men are not working. A large portion of them are not working. And what they're doing is they're playing video games. And I met this mom just this past weekend. She's a grandma. And she said that she um, she steps in and she gives her, she takes the grandkids for 24 hours once a week. You know, they're at the right age. You know, my, I don't think my kids wouldn't do it when they were little. But, she, but now she takes the kids for 24 hours. And she said the reason she does it is because the husband never gets a break otherwise. So I thought it was really an intriguing thing. I think um, maybe we're starting to recognize a little more that mothers need this break during the day and we're stepping in and helping each other and we're forming these communities. But, you know, if we're in the situation sort of like you talked about earlier, where maybe it's it's a, a situation where the man is the primary breadwinner and they're working all day and then they come, you know, back into the home environment and there's a lot of kids and a lot of needs and a lot of things, a lot of things to fix and things to get done that they're not getting that time to decompress in their life. And so it just seems like a theme that's coming up that, you know, nature and um, there's a lot of cool things for guys to do out in nature. We've got friends that love that Frisbee golf and different things. So it's a good point that for all of yeah. us. And I think you bring up a great point about the men just kind of um, needing that time and us not recognizing it. We figured that out, I would say, maybe three or four years into having a family of seven, noticing the toll it was taking on Jason, my husband, of just he gave and gave and gave, you know, he would come home so that I could run. So I always had like a little bit of time away and he actually never did. He was either in this management position at work Mm -hmm. or he would come home and help with the children. And so he never had much time to rest. So we started scheduling in our Google calendar months in advance, a day, a month for him to get away and go up where there's no reception and no children. And all of that. And so he would, he would be able to just spend the day in the mountains with a sack lunch and his Bible. And um, he would come back so refreshed. So that's kind of been a discipline that we've tried to include no matter how busy our lives get is just to give him some time away, knowing how important that is for them. Wow, Jody, that's really inspiring. And I think I love that you gave some practical ways that you do it, that you have to schedule it out ahead of time. And what it looks like, it looks like getting outside. And I had a, a guy in our podcast named Alistair, um, and he's all about adventure. He's done really big adventures, but he talks about micro adventures. Like we talk about the nine to five, you know, he says, well, what about the five to nine? What are we doing in that small period of time where we actually get to choose what we get to do? And it's such a short amount of time that we really choose. And sometimes it just takes a little bit of extra effort to leave the video games and to get off the couch and to step outside. And I think that's something that we're not talking about too much, that the whole family needs it from top to bottom. And you give advice for teens because now you have teens and a lot of people ask about teens, you know, they're, they, maybe they get down that, okay, I can take my toddler to the splash pad or these different things, but everyone's thinking, what about these teens? Do they still like to get outside? What are you guys doing with your teens? Oh gosh. Teens are so fun. They are just so much fun because they're so competent and capable Um, so right now my oldest son is planning a backpacking trip and he wants to go on his own, you know, out into the wilderness. So it's just really fun to see them kind of flourish and, um, take all of this experience of the early years of just identifying plants and spending countless hours in nature with nothing but nature, you know, rock climbing and bouldering and swimming and exploring, and it is in their blood. And that was kind of my hope was if I put it so deep in them that they would never be able to depart from it, that they couldn't live without it. And now Mm. it's almost obsessive. (laughs) 
<laughs> so <laughs> I'm, I'm starting. Well done. To- well done, Jody. <laughs> right. Except we're starting to have conversations about, okay, we can't just be pleasure seekers. <laughs> so, um, it's kind of the pendulum has swung a little bit to where they're, they're so into nature that they want to spend all of their time out there, which is so wonderful, but they also need to work. <laughs> so <laughs> There's some responsibilities. Yeah. Yeah. So they're learning that balance of working and nature and my second son, well, we both play sports. And so trying to find that balance of work ethic and um, spending time in nature, that's been our newest challenge now. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's really interesting. And I think that's the challenge. That is, I mean, one of biggest, the biggest life challenge is to find balance and to seek balance and you know, how do we put in parameters that make sure that we have balance? And like you talked about your husband having this day set aside and now you're in sports. I think it's a big concept that, and we've talked about this a little bit before here, but you know, when our kids are young and this is very physical, I mean, to get four, uh, five kids under five out the door, Jody does a lot of physical work, right? And yet you're getting everyone dressed and you've got twin babies. There's a lot of physical work. It would have been easy to skip it. Yes. But now there's other challenges and it's schedule. Yes. So it doesn't ever get easier. It's actually, it doesn't get easier. And actually there's been a lot of grief in the last two years that I have noticed that I have been experiencing because as difficult physically as it was to get all five out of the household, logistically, that was easy. They were with me all the time. Um, We had our routine. We had everyone had their own little responsibilities of what to grab and what to clean up. And, you know, we had a whole system so that it was easy to get out. And then we came home at a certain time and they napped at a certain time. And there was just this beautiful rhythm of getting out in nature and doing it together. And now um, the challenge is really one kid's working over here and the other kid's working over here. And how do we make these outings happen when there's soccer practice at four? And so we have between, you know, nine and four to figure something out. So that's been the biggest challenge. And it's really grieving the the flexibility and the wide open schedule that we used to have. And I guess in um, your guests' words, finding micro- Um, adventures because now we can't spend nine hours out in the middle of the wilderness any longer. We have to kind of find four to five hour adventures to do. And um, those aren't as fun in a sense, because you're not exploring uncharted territory. We got used to going deep into the woods and, you know, having to drive on bumpy roads for hours to get there. But then once you're there, you're, you're there all day. So now we're trying to kind of adjust and pivot and figure out how to still get that sense of adventure without it being a 12-hour day, really. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Question, what's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Read a few chapters of that book, start painting that guest bedroom, tackle that pile of laundry, play a card game with your kids. A lot of us spending our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. If you're feeling stuck, therapy is something that can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is a wonderful thing. It can help you learn positive coping skills or show you how to navigate properly setting boundaries. With BetterHelp, it's easy to get started. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try and visit BetterHelp.com slash 1000 hours to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash 1000 hours. I have been looking for simple ways to form healthy habits and get the nutrients my body needs when my immune system feels unsupported. And that's why I decided to give AG1 a try. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics and more, but it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day, and it makes me feel nourished and ready to face the day. As a parent, longevity is on my mind more than ever before. I want to make sure I'm taking really good care of myself so I can continue to show up for the moments that matter with my kids. 
Every day, AG1 helps me build long-term health with daily nutrients that support brain, gut, and immune health. All it takes is one scoop a day, and I'm setting myself up for the long run. AG1 is a supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash 1000. That's drinkag1.com slash 1000. Check it out. Yeah, I think it's that reminder that there's not ever going to be the perfect season to adventure. There's always going to be challenges that you're coming up against. And so you just try your best to make it work the best you can in the season that you're in. We've even done, we were driving down to Florida for a conference in May and uh, we stopped at, right over the border into Florida, there was, and we're like in opposite sides of the country here, um, but going down to Florida, they have the most natural springs in the country. Okay. And there was a spring and it's right over the border. It's right off the freeway, maybe 15 minutes. And it's like the, it's voted Florida's best swimming hole or something. And it's one of those, you always post the most beautiful pictures and the cool things that you go to. But one of those places that has the turquoise water and there's turtles swimming and it was beautiful. And I think we had an hour and, you know, it's one of those things that you have to make that choice. Is it, is it worth it to have all the wet? I mean, everyone's wet. Now we have all these towels. We haven't gotten to the conference yet. Where are we going to put all this stuff? And it's a pain. It's kind of a pain. And there's unknowns. Are we going to be able to park? And we've got our trailer with our merchandise and all of these things. But we'll remember it forever, that one hour. So it is grieving. It is grieving yeah. to not have as open of a schedule. But also those smaller adventures do offer a lot. And I think it's just a reminder that when you have the little ones, there's something really special about open days. Yes. And I think it, in one sense, while the grieving is hard, it also makes me so grateful because I have something to grieve. And that means we put a lot of hours and time in nature and we just have so much to pull from. And I shared a story in the book about um, one of my sons needed stitches and we went to the hospital and, um, or the ER and they had to, you know, numb his finger and stitch him up and that can be painful. And, um, I asked him just pick one of your favorite places we had gone. And he said, mom, there's so many. And I said, I know, but let's work through this. Let's try to like anchor one down so that you can really think and, and walk through that as they're working on your finger, you know? Um, but it was just so sweet because it's, we're always pulling from it. Even now we're pulling from stories when the twins were toddlers and couldn't even go past a certain point in the water, you know? Um, so while it is hard to be in a new stage, I'm so grateful that the grief means that there was something so beautiful and full and fully lived, you know, during mm -hmm. the time. And so that's kind of what I wanted to do through this book is just encourage moms like now is now, um, now is the time to really tend to these needs because they're building a foundation for the future. So mm -hmm. that is so beautiful. I had written down in my notes that story because I think it's another place where nature can really affect your mind. That thought of reminiscing and remembering that those can help us feel calm and happy and joyful, even if we're not living them at the moment, you know, just right. thinking back. And I like that, you know, I think with Instagram and these reels, you know, which is new and different. I'm trying to adjust. I'm like, I feel real old over here. Know. You know, I've, it's, I've looked back at some of our old videos and it does just fill your heart and with gratitude and it brings a lot of joy. So one of the things that your teens do and preteens is hiking. Yes. So can you tell us why that's such a good activity for families? Uh, initially, we started hiking because it was free. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and having a large family and being on a really tight budget, we knew we wanted to be active. Um, very early on, I realized that um, tired boys were good boys. You know, if you physically wore them out, um, they were less apt to be quarrelsome or, you know, um, some of them a little bit more mischievous than the others, but the, the more physical that they were, the, um, more grounded they seemed at home and more peaceful inside when we were together in the home. And so hiking was one of those things that there's no end there's, you can push yourself to 
any sort of limit and you can keep pushing that. And that's through mileage and terrain and elevation. And so we started really early. Um, we didn't, we didn't start necessarily when we had babies. And so I see these families with babies, you know, in the, in the packs and in the thing, we started kind of once our twins were babies. So at that point, I think it was from ages six down to one or something like that. And, um, yeah, we just started, I think two miles was our goal for maybe two years. <laughs> and that takes a and long time. I mean, two miles can take all afternoon. Yes. Because they stop and, and look at stuff. They stop and look at things and they, they scrape their knee and they get hot and, um, they need snacks and, you know, it, it took a while to get to two miles, but I think once they started realizing, wow, we're, we're pushing past the familiar limit of two miles, it, it started becoming addicting for them. And so we came to a place where I was always pushing, pushing a little bit further. Let's just go a little bit further, you know? And then now they're pushing me. Come on, mom, two more miles, three more miles, mom. Mom, we can do 20 today, right? And I'm like, no, we can't do 20. (laughs) It comes full circle. It does. And it's just the, the teen aspect of hiking. Now I have one out of five that does not enjoy hiking. And that has been a journey for her. You know, she's trying to, um, hang with us and she knows it's a family. Everyone in the family loves it and she just does not love it. So bless her heart. She's in there and I have to be real about that. They're not all into it. So, but she, she hangs and we got her a little dog. We thought that that would probably help. And it, it has helped a lot because she has one to kind of nurture through the hike. So what a good idea, Jody. That's really special. It's just more problem solving. <laughs> yeah, right. It all it's always something. I think this concept of stamina is a big one. That's not anything that we test or it's not anything I think that we even put down as goals that we have stamina. But what I've noticed is that when we started young with our kids, getting out on these different hikes and for them to be familiar with going through different types of terrain. Well, now that they're older, we can go do really fun stuff. You know, you can go see the best views because they built the stamina and they've built that sort of skill set working up to it. I like what you said about You say it was exhilarating to watch them constantly challenge themselves. Each time they achieve a new level of physicality, their confidence and agility grow. And I become more aware of just how capable children are of doing hard things. Yes. The growth is for the growth is for all of us. It is. And um, I think it continued to blow my mind at just how capable children are. And, you know, in homeschooling, we read a lot of literature and a lot of that happens to be historical books on biographies. And um, we're just in such a comfortable time culturally that we have to look back and see how much work and effort and resilience and stamina was needed just to get through the day for a lot of um, pioneers and and homesteaders and different people like that. And so to be able to um, push our children, they they may not have the needs that children did 200 years ago because because of our current culture, we can at least continue to push them to do hard things so that that mm-hmm. stamina is practiced so that they can kind of apply it um, to life because there will always be, um, sorrow, there will always be challenges. And so if they can learn to push through physically on things, then they certainly can learn to push through emotionally and mentally on things. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it's all holistic in a sense. And so if they're learning, um, to push through something that they didn't know they could physically handle, that's going to translate emotionally, spiritually, mentally, all of that. So, right. Right. I think one of the it's interesting to be on this sort of other side. You and I both are there out of that baby stage. I was with a um a friend's two-year-old earlier this year. Oh, this is exhausting. I know I was in there for just like, I mean, 
maybe 45 minutes, Jody. <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't even believe it. This is so tiring. Or, you know, we got friends and they've got babies and, and the mom needs to run to the bathroom. And, and so you're holding this four month old or eight month old. I mean, literally for six minutes and they don't want to be with you and they want to <laughs> do other things. And so you just, you remember, oh, it was so overwhelming. But one of the beautiful things about that stage is that we all were together. And so if you have five under five or two kids, and they're, you know, they're similar age, they're younger, you know, you go on this hike, and it's two miles and you you're together. So what what changes, and I think it's good for parents to know, it does change what changes is now I'm in the very back with our youngest, and we're not together, you know, they're because they're off and they're older, and they're they're doing the things that grab their attention. And so it's just another reminder for those young years, as hard as they are, there are some really special, unique things. Are you finding that too? Like your older ones, they're up ahead climbing. They're up ahead. Yes. they Now they want to do more extreme things that I don't know if I physically want to push <laughs> myself to. And so that's where I'm really struggling. You know, the backpacking thing was super fun um, when I was younger. <laughs> But now I kind of miss my bed. I I don't love laying on rocks, you know, in the middle of the forest. And so, um, but they still want to push it further and further. And I, I'm not necessarily there at that level. And so um, then there is a disconnect. So then they choose to go on their own or, mm-hmm. or with friends or something like that. And so that has been a little bit sad, but also um, encouraging so it's, it's good. Down. It's all good it's stuff. Good. They're growing. Yeah. They're, they're taking it on as their own, but it does change. And, and I don't think I would have thought that far in advance. Like when I'm, you know, when I've got the stroller with all the kids and a kid on the back and a kid on the front and everything's falling off the side, I don't think I would have ever thought, well, in, in four years, I'm going to be by myself <laughs> and everyone's right. going to be off ahead or, you know, with a friend. And so it, it evolves in a beautiful way. But you do miss some of those special things. So, okay, so tell us about, I, I love this part about your morning jogs. Okay. Especially when the kids were little and you would have them run home. I thought this was, this was fantastic. It's a really good idea. So tell us about it. Okay. So um, I, I don't love running anytime, but first thing in the morning, I know that I probably won't get it done if, if I delay it. And so there was a small period of time when um, Jason, I'd have to wait for him to come home so that I could run because the twins were babies and um, Scarlett, my middle child was still a baby. (laughs) And so I couldn't run with all of them. But as soon as they, the twins were able to be in a double stroller and she could kind of run. Actually, we had a triple, triple jogger stroller at the time. <laughs> oh, Jody. And he, he drove, I think, 12 hours in one day to go pick it up from wow. Craigslist, you know, because mm-hmm. it's not a common, <laughs> not a common item to be able to find. But um, that was just it. I'd like to say it was a discipline, but I don't think it was necessarily as much of a discipline as it was just for my mental well-being. If if I didn't get that run in, then I was cranky, um, you know, physically anxiety or whatever emotions you feel when you have five young children mm. to take care of. Um, it, I would get really short tempered. And so this run just really took the edge off every morning. It, it grounded me like I see it ground my other children. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been 20, 25 years of running. That's just been a habit that really helps keep me grounded. And I think I really understood that, you know, going through grief of losing my dad. And Mm -hmm. it's just been a habit that I haven't let go of, even with having little ones. And so what I started learning with them is if they were tired, you know, they would take these wonderfully long naps. And so how do you make them tired? You have to physically kind of wear them out. And so we would start the morning with a run. And then about a half a mile before we got home, I'd have them all get out of the strollers um, and they'd have to hold on to the side of the stroller and we would run home together. And that half mile turned to a mile and eventually two miles. And so, um, yeah, they still run to this day every morning. And now I don't need to run with them. So we all run at different times when we wake up and it's just kind of a habit and having teens specifically 
I'm sure you have experienced this. It's like, don't wake the bear. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Happened when today. Actually lessons. happened today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And the, the habit of running has saved our family <laughs> mm. because certain teens are really grumpy, you know, when they're woken up or when they wake up, no matter how many hours of sleep they get, it just is something physical to do with adolescents or something. I, I'm sure there's science behind it. <laughs> time, but, time to research. Yes. <laughs> what we do know is they're grumpy, but if I can get that kid out of the door before he even says one word, you know, on a run, um, he comes back just smiley, happy, ready to start the day. Um, his his attitude is great. His countenance is great. Wow. And so it really improves the whole family when those kids can get out and run. And that's a daily discipline that we have that they are not able to make breakfast until they get their morning run done. So, wow. That's amazing. Yeah. I actually, um, you know, when I read this part in your book, I've not heard anybody talk about this before. Um, slightly the very, very first podcast I did with another person was just almost exactly a year ago. This man named Dr. Chris Winter and his whole book was about sleep. And so mm-hmm. he said, you know, the best thing that you can do is to wake up and warm up your body and be exposed to natural sunlight. And so that's what you're actually doing is, you know, and he talked about from the concept of walking to school, that that's one of the best things you can do for your daily rhythms and to help you to sleep at night. But you had so many cool ideas in here. You said they run, you you would get up and go in your pajamas. The kids are running home in their pajamas and then you would make breakfast and then you would start the day. And then you talk about it with your teens. You say at, within a mile or two, it's a lot of effort to get them out of the house, but then their attitudes drastically change. They're laughing together by the time they get back and they have these happy dispositions. So definitely sparked, you know, I, that's an interesting, I don't think people do that, Jody. I think they do their work first, you know, or mm-hmm. they tend to get up and they've got a to-do list and, or you're getting up and you have to get out the door, but to have that be your schedule is really inspiring. Yeah. We'll see how it turns out. That is certainly experimental <laughs> because I don't know of many other people that have done that, you know, with their families either. And so for me, it just, it started with a selfish motivation of wanting these toddlers to nap well And I just saw the fruit of it, you know, immediately through good sleep and disposition. But now it's also my oldest. He loves running. He runs track. He runs cross country. We've run, you know, a half marathon together when he was 12. And so he really, really enjoys running. Um, The twins love running. And so it's either we'll find out when they're adults, if this is going to be, you know, a constant habit for them, or if they're actually going to just hate running altogether. Well, but whether, you know, it's interesting when you talk about how it turns out, I mean, it is turning out right now. It's, it's doing something for you right now. And you've been doing it for over a decade. So it's done something for your family life and your family culture that has grounded you. And it gives you this, like you said, you're starting the days with these endorphins and these good feelings. And so I, I thought that part was really interesting. And like, you said you don't know other people who are doing it and I don't really either Uh, so it was an intriguing part of the book for me I thought about it we've tried we tried last year when the school started because I had just done that podcast with that um Dr. Chris Winter we were trying to get up and walk just a mile but you know get up and move in sunlight but I like that idea of that's the first thing you do put your shoes on and out the door you go because if you're trying to do breakfast and then it gets too late and so it's really interesting it's been a um, routine that has worked for me so I know that if I'm going to instill that in my home I probably should stay consistent with whatever works for me yeah but I know with like homeschooling through Instagram I get so many messages on my children won't sit still and how do you get your children to sit still during your morning collective time I really struggle with that and I'm my first mm. response is always a tired dog is a good dog. <laughs> like you run that dog and it comes home and it lays down and just is a really nice companion. You know, he's not going mm. to chew up shoes and different things like that. And so it's the same with children. It's like they they need the physicality. They yes. need that to ground them. And, and that goes back to the whole idea of the whole child of of meeting their physical needs before you're requesting or demanding anything mental from them. Yeah. Um, they truly need 
some kind of physical grounding. And sometimes with homeschooling, we get so swept up in this slow morning idea that we forget that their physical needs are not being met. And so to expect this slow morning and then to all of a sudden have two hours of beautiful reading time or something like that, Mm. it's really unrealistic developmentally to expect a child to kind of lay around and enjoy pancakes and slowly working through things and then have to sit still for two and a half hours. When the skies open up while others seek shelter, I embrace the rain. Heading to my favorite hike, the raindrops are like a soothing melody, and my Vessies ensure each step is dry and comfortable, turning a simple outing into a rather delightful experience. Whenever my kids and I are stepping into a great outdoors adventure, I love wearing Vessies Stormburst boots to capture the beauty of springtime landscapes. Their robust style is perfect for our nature excursions, adding a little dash of elegance to our outdoor explorations. This spring, Transform how you view wet weather with Vessi. Their Dymatex technology makes their shoes not just waterproof, but a stylish barrier against rain and puddles. Whether it's a sudden downpour or a planned seaside walk, Vessi shoes ensure your feet stay dry and comfortable. Embrace the essence of spring with Vessi. From chic city walks to adventurous treks, find the perfect pair for your lifestyle at Vessi.com outside and enjoy an automatic 15% off your first order upon checkout. That's V-E-S-S-I dot com slash outside for 15% off your first order. Eating better is easy with Factors delicious ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including calorie-smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. So get started today and get after your goals. Some of the things we love about Factor are their two-minute meals. You can fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. Our kids love the pancakes, smoothies, and more. And there's a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, including midday bites. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And remember to sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash outside50 and use code outside50 to get 50% off. That's code outside50 at factormeals.com slash outside50 to get 50% off. That's so interesting. And I agree with you. I think that home education, there's so much variety, but I think there is this general sense that the morning is spent doing seat work and the afternoon is left for more free time. And I think that in some ways we've gotten that backwards, or at least we have to infuse my, actually my, um, our 12 year old daughter just brought that up the other day. She said, mom, I loved those walks. We didn't stick with it. And um, so this is sort of sparking my idea to bring it back up. But I also think, you know, whether you're homeschooling or not, you know, this is the same for kids who are hopping on the bus and expected to go sit in a classroom. You know, that's hard. It would be the same thing. You know, it's like you get up, you you know, you brush your teeth, you put your clothes on, you eat breakfast, and you're sitting. You're not doing anything physical. You're not being exposed to nature, to the rhythms of the day. So, um, you know, I walked to school when I was a kid, and I think looking back, that was a good rhythm, you know, to start and end the day was a mile. So it was really good things to think about. And this is um, something that's generational for you. Your grandpa did this. He did. Yes. And it's so funny because I never once thought about it. You know, um, my dad ran as well. And I never once thought about it playing a role in my habits at all. It was just and that's kind of, I guess, where when I mentioned nature being in their blood, just wanting to put it in their blood, you know, it's something through example that is set through habit that is set that may just continue on without them even cognitively recognizing that, you know? So yeah, my grandpa ran every day of his life and um, he died at 96 and he was running a mile up until a week before he died. Wasn't really a run. <laughs> I love, it. I love this part of the book. You said shuffling through that last mile toward the end of his life. 
This part of the book was really beautiful, Jody. You had this thing where I'm not sure who asked him. Someone asked him, Russell, why do you love running so much? And how can I learn to love it? And he replied, are you kidding me? I hate running. Every morning I try to talk myself out of it, but every morning I chose to be a temple for the Holy Ghost. And so I thought that was real impactful, right? This is a choice. Yes. And I would agree with him as well. I don't love running at all either. And and every morning I usually try to come up with an excuse as well. But thankfully over so many years of it, you know how you're going to feel if you don't. And so it's just one of those things where that trumps any kind of will to, you know, stay in your pajamas or something like that. And so, but yeah, it was, it was really sweet for me to hear that story because that was only a few years ago that that was shared. And just to know that we share that, you know, going years and generations back and, and have the same feeling toward it. That is really special. Yeah. So this is something, like I said, my daughter just asked about the other day. And so I I loved reading that part of the book. And what you've said here is just sort of uh, strengthen my resolve, all the all the beautiful things that you've said. So we have, you know, our listener base, it runs the gamut, um, but we don't talk about home education very often. And I think since this is coming out right at the beginning of the school year, I, I know that there will be some people who would be curious. And you had some beautiful things in the book about homeschooling. Um, you say, I understand it's not for everybody, but basically you talk about how it's made your life easier and that's not what you expected. So can you talk about that? Yeah. Yes. I I mean, I think the first response that a lot of homeschool moms receive when people find out that they homeschool is, oh, I could never do that. And I was that person. <laughs> I, I can remember responding that way to several homeschoolers that I met when my children were really young is, oh, bless you for doing that. I could never do that. You know, and here, here I am. Um, so yeah, it certainly is daunting from the outside. It seems like it would be so much work and effort and that you would lose yourself in it or any alone time or self-care time or whatever you want to label it as quite the opposite happened with us. And it was immediate to see that. And that was really beautiful. And so for us, When we brought, because our first two did go to a traditional school for my oldest went to a school for two years, and then my second son went for one year. So we were able to experience what school life was like, and it was busy. I mean, there were always birthday parties and um, themed parties that you had to bring things for and cupcakes and this and that. And there was volunteer hours and um, plays and band. And, you know, there was always something. And I was stressed constantly of just trying to keep up with the extracurricular aspect of their education, not even the academic aspect. And then they would come home and have homework And the whole time that I'm making dinner and trying to work through on the homework, I didn't even have a say in the homework because teacher trumps mom. And so there was this disconnect of me trying to help them, but no teacher says it goes this way or something. And so we were fighting even in the few hours that they were Mm -hmm. home um, over things that I'd had no control of or didn't know exactly what was happening in the classroom. So I couldn't necessarily say, well, I know what I'm talking about here. You know, it was just this disconnect intention that we had experienced. And then after the homework finally got done, we would be preparing for the next day of school, you know, packing Mm -hmm. lunches and setting clothes aside. And then it was time for bed. And so that even with that stressful schedule, things were not horrible. So that's why it was really difficult for me to think, gosh, we're going to try something new and this may be awful. And within the first week of trying it, um, there was no rush to get out the door. There was no homework Mm -hmm. to dispute about. There was just this really simple, beautiful um, rhythm that we started creating in our household. And the children almost knew that they didn't have anyone else to go to but each other. So they just got along much better than they wow. had prior to that. And it really established just a sense of peace almost immediately. And I know not every day looks like that, but 
for the most part, it has been far more peaceful than attending school was for our family. And I don't, I can't say that every family would experience that. A lot of um, parents were forced to be homeschooled during COVID. They were forced to homeschool during COVID and their experiences were much different. And it, it makes me so sad because their experiences were so different because the circumstances were so unusual, you know, mm. and they're having to figure out all of this technology and these Zoom calls. And that alone has such a significant amount of stress just trying to figure that out. And if you're doing that for one ch child and you have multiple children and they have all these different meetings, I can only imagine the amount of stress. Mm. That's not what homeschooling is. And so it kind of broke my heart that people were forced to homeschool in such situations because they didn't get the true beauty of what it's like to sit mm. around and read books together or, um, you know, just memorize poetry together or go on a nature walk together. They were kind of forced into this technological in-home school situation. And so that's a lot different, but mm -hmm. it yeah, is a lot different. Is. And a lot of things were closed and there wasn't a way to establish community and there was no ramp up time. And all of a sudden they were just in it. And I agree. I think the way that, and I'm so glad that you talked about it because like I said, we have all sorts of different listeners to the podcast, but I do get a lot of questions privately about homeschooling. And so you know, since it's back to school, like I said, I think it's good for people to hear these different experiences so that you can know maybe what you don't know. And the way that you described it in the book was so beautiful, Jody. You said slow mornings, rhythmic afternoons, wide open evenings to spend together as a family. That's that's stark contrast to, you know, I have three kids and they're in three different rooms trying to listen to Zoom calls. And, you know, that's that's hard. And and I you also said what I thought would be chaotic and stressful ended up being the most pleasant, nourishing decision for our family. So if families are looking for homeschool advice and homeschool help and just um, a beautiful life to look at and want to strive for, not that not that your situation is perfect, but I think it's you know, like I had said at the very beginning, when I got your notebooking manual, it was like, oh, this is this is like lovely, beautiful learning. It's so pretty and it's so um, it's so full of life. And so I love that you provide that for people, a glimpse into how it could be and, and how beautiful Thank it's been you. for you. Yeah, the notebooking um, aspect I kind of adopted from Waldorf education. I did, we had a Waldorf school back where we lived prior to being in the Black Hills. And I did a walk through the grades. I never intended on sending my children there, but they allow you to come and visit. And I just wanted to get kind of a peek into, you know, wow. some of their philosophy and how they executed um, you know, their, their philosophy and in, in different age ranges and different things like that. And I adopted so much of a lot of their methods, um, because they are so focused on the development of the whole child of the whole child yeah, yeah. of mind, body, so spirit. Movement, yeah. Yes. Movement is a really big part of their education. And what I loved is they did these main lesson books, which we turned into what we call notebooking, but and um, the amount of time spent on these main lesson books or in our family, it would be notebooking is it takes up almost the whole academic day. Um, you are spending a lot of time working on your illustrations and your painting and your writing, and it becomes every day a treasured piece mm -hmm. of art. Wow. And it um, is just it is. And we have years Beautiful. and years of these books that are just so precious and sweet. Um, but it's not just to have the product, it's the process yes. and the process of going slow and creating beauty and um, being intentional with your movements rather than school these days is so much about filling in the blank and and getting through subject to subject as quick as you can. And to reverse that and, and make the challenge, let's be as creative or as beautiful as we can, mm. but that will take time. Yeah. And so seeing my children just spend time in an academic act or a creative act, or even outside in nature, it's just the most beautiful, fulfilling thing, because that is so anti-cultural, you know, everything mm -hmm. is rush, 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 go, go, go. Um, so the notebooking 
is certainly something that takes a lot of time and care and attention, but I can't help but think that's going to really benefit them in the workforce or whatever they end up yeah. doing. So. And you did such a beautiful job explaining the ins and outs. I, I think sometimes that's, you know, we need that. We need that handholding of what, what exactly does this look like? I would see your beautiful, you know, it's beautiful, but maybe poetry or something written about a certain insect. And then it would be this beautiful illustration and and even beautiful, a little child's one. You see that theirs is beautiful. And so you did such a great job explaining how you did it and step by step. So what, what are the, you have this notebooking manual um, that you've had for years as a downloadable yeah. resource. And what are some of the you have other ones as well? What are the other ones? I do. I have a getting started manual. And so that would be for people who are considering homeschooling, who um, may not necessarily want to do a box curriculum. And for those who don't know what that is, that's kind of like your whole year in a box. Um, what we do is very different from that. And so we don't use any curriculum aside from math. We just read books together and we write about what we read and the children illustrate, uh, you know, alongside of their writing. And that's really the extent of our education. It's amazing. And so um, it is, and you know, my oldest is taking college classes at an engineering school. So it was another experiment. At what age? He started when he was 15. So this is a thing. I think it's something that I don't talk about often, but just it's always important to know that there are many paths to becoming educated. And John Taylor Gatto has a book where he says there are as many ways to become educated as there are fingerprints, meaning, you know, you can it. take these different paths and you don't have to be afraid of where the path is going to lead. So here you say you didn't do any curriculum, but math. And you no read grammar. books and your child yeah. is taking college level classes by age 15. Wow, Jody. Yes, it's and I mean, I will give a disclaimer. He he took a U.S. history class um, this past semester. So this was his second semester, just this past semester. And <laughs> his professor sent him a questionnaire about um you know, early U.S. history. He wanted to kind of gauge what the students knew about early U.S. history. And one of the questions was, who is your favorite president? Well, immediately I kind of thought, oh, I know he'll answer Roosevelt because of what he did with the national park system and everything like that, because he's my big mm -hmm. outdoorsman, my oldest. And <laughs> he answered, I don't know, because my mom did not teach me about all of the presidents. <laughs> <laughs> Jody. So he says, I can't pick my favorite because oh, I don't yes. know about every single one. <laughs> I, so I knew what he was saying, but I'm thinking, oh man, that uh, professor's going to think that we never covered anything about U.S. history. But so there is, you know, it is a different way of going about education. Um, but the fruit, just seeing that he could jump right into college classes and he never had formal grammar, the mm -hmm. only thing that he the only curriculum was math that he had, but he has all of these beautiful stories and writing practice wow. through just good literature that it was able to get him straight into, you know, an engineering college. So Jody, that's incredible. Yeah. I'm so glad we talked about this. I think people can be encouraged then that the path doesn't have to look like everyone else's path. I know we're running out of time. I've got a kid waiting outside the door. I did it. I'm missing things. Well, can we, can we like super quick talk about being barefoot? Yes. Yes, we can. I love that part of the book. Yes. So I wasn't able to, um, this is a, a faith-based book. And so I had some information too, is about grounding. So, um, I wasn't able to put that in there because, you know, it, it there were some concerns that it may be kind of on the new age side of things, but the reality is that dirt has energy. Everything has energy in it in one way or another. And, um, we have, just adopted the idea of being barefoot from a very young age. And it started, I think, originally just by my kids not wanting to wear shoes. Mm -hmm. But then I started kind of learning about the science of grounding. Um, I learned about, you know, the response of the foot and um, proprioception. Is that, did I say that correctly? Yeah. Mm -hmm bioception or um, just how the foot is meant to feel the the ground and how the senses pick up on that. And so just the more I learned about it, the more confident I was that we really should be 
you know, raising these kids as barefoot as possible. Mm -hmm. So they have all been barefoot for a very long time. So much so where we show up in public places and people forget their shoes. (laughs) 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 That has happened. But yeah, um, it's just to me a health and wellness practice that is so simple and basic that we should be giving our children. And um, yeah, I think it makes them more agile. We have done some. It does help. It does. I was just talking to um, her tag is Black Adventure Mom. Her name is Kiana. And she was saying her kids are just all over these boulders and rocks. I've seen videos. They're young. And they're barefoot. And she said they want to take their shoes off. And you, you know, you're saying the same thing. You know, our kids don't want to have their shoes on. And I think they naturally know that that helps them balance better. You even talked about how the toes are gripping and the ankles and things are sending messages to our brain. I had read about this exchange of electrons. I don't know the science, but you know, you sometimes you exchange something with the earth and you feel better. So yeah. I thought yes, that part of your book was so many benefits. And I mean you can, another book that is fun is Born to Run. I don't know if you've heard of that mm-hmm. one, but it's about a whole um, enclave of of primal people in Mexico that run up to a hundred miles um, in a day. They just run everywhere. It's a, it's a really fascinating book, but they're barefoot the entire time and they're running wow. through extreme heat on extreme um, terrain, such as, you know, what are those rocks that are like clay-like that have that? So they're running through all of that all day. That's how they they wow. live is they run from one place to another and it's completely barefoot. And, there, and so, so our souls, the soles of our sh- our feet are supposed to adapt. Yeah. And if you just read about any native, um, any native um, culture or anything like that, they, they typically would either be barefoot or they would have just a very thin piece of leather or deer skin underneath their foot, depending on where they were going. And so we're the ones that really messed that up by trying to come up with all of this new technology. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) now that the running shoes have these giant holes on them. Yeah. That's Mm -hmm. just, that's causing so much injury. So Yeah. um, yeah, it's been fun to see the kids barefoot doing things. In fact, my oldest who ran track last year and he didn't have track shoes. He hadn't purchased them yet. And, um, he took off his shoes and ran barefoot and all of his friends thought he was crazy, but he was like, it's better than running in tennis shoes, you know? So, Mm -hmm. wow. Wow. That's awesome. Jody, your book is so fantastic. There was so much to talk about. We just sort of scratched the surface. I loved it. And thank you. I'm sorry. We've gone over time here a minute, a couple minutes, but the whole and healthy family helping your kids thrive in mind, body and spirit by Jody Maccabee. It comes out in September. It's out for purchase, and um, I'm sure that's anywhere, Amazon and bookstores, and those books tend to end up end up all the different places where people are looking for books. And then your website, we only actually talked about one of the things. So you have the notebooking, you have the the start to homeschooling, but your website is jodymacabee.com. I'll make sure I link to it. And what else What else can they find there? You have awesome blog posts. Yes, we have... Um on the store aspect, we have the getting started manual and the notebooking manual, but we also have a lot of studies that we have written. So um, we we are interest led typically in some of our education. And so we'll just go down a path and we'll visit that for anywhere from three weeks to two months. And so these studies are based off of all of the resources that we've pulled together in order to really just you know, follow that learning thread. So those studies are on the site as well. And um, you can find blog posts that go back as far as my firstborn being an infant. Wow. <laughs> I don't know how interesting that would be, but um, you're welcome to visit that as well. So Okay, I'm hitting two more things. The first yes. is that your twins are identical, but mirror image opposites. Correct. I've is never heard wild? of that. Okay, so I didn't, so when the egg splits, there's um, a process and it's all within like a millisecond or something like that. So when it splits, if it takes a little bit longer to split, um, they'll be mirror image. If it takes a little bit longer than that, they're conjoined. Wow. So it's really mirror image twins are between 
the split of just being identical twins and conjoined. And so mirror image is where everything is opposite. So in some extreme cases, organs will be the opposite. So one twin will have their heart on the left side, one will have their heart on the right side and their organs will be reversed. So like the liver's on the opposite side. Um, my twins' organs are all in the correct places, but um, everything else, one's left-handed, one's right-handed. They both have a calic up here. One goes this way, the other one goes this way. Wow. So it's really fun. It's like a science project constantly. That's fast. You said their teeth came in, but on the opposite side. Yes. Wow, yes. Jody, that's so interesting. Yes, yeah. and now that they have adult teeth, you know, they came in at the exact same time as well, but like one's a little bit turned on this side and then the other one's a little bit turned on this side. So even down to the formation of their palate wow. is identical, but opposite. <laughs> is it is it really uncommon? It is uncommon. We have met maybe two or three different sets of twins that shared those same characteristics. Mm -hmm. And some of them didn't even know that it was a thing. It was just... Wow something that they grew up knowing that they were different but the same yeah one's so right-handed and one's left-handed and that's yeah, so it's interesting fun for them to learn there's an actual term to it so. yeah um so we always end our podcast with a favorite outdoor memory from your own childhood Ooh. okay we had horses growing up my dad was an avid outdoorsman and so i think that would probably be taking the horses up trail riding and then camping um, just in these alpine, just him and I, um, that was really special. That's a memory that's kind of always there. Oh, it's beautiful. So. And even now that he's gone, you have those yeah. memories together. That's so beautiful. Well, Jody, thank you. Congratulations on your book. Uh, it's beautiful. It's interesting. It's inspiring. And thank you for spending this time with us. Thanks so much for having me, Jenny. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy The Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of The Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy.